Friendless is a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, which is sponsored in part by Connexus Credit Union and Direct West. Hello, my sweeties. You've stumbled onto the newest episode of Friendless, the only show about how to be a better friend by unfriending everyone you know on Facebook. I am, as always, your host, James Avramenko, on the journey to answer the question, have I been a good friend? And what does it even mean to be a good friend in 2021? This week, I have a dear friend on the show, brewery GM and former roommate, Daniel Johnston. My sweet Daniel and I talk about roommates with benefits, if benefits are wallowing in depression together, the unskilled labor of artistic directors, choosing a replacement for water, and so much more. Dan is an incredible man, and I'm so lucky to call him a friend, and you're so lucky to get to hear the interview. (laughs) You lucky duck you. But I won't waste any more of your time. Let's just dive right into the interview so you can hear what I've been grinning about ever since I recorded this. So lean back, get comfy, turn up that volume, and enjoy my interview with Daniel Johnston here on Friendless. Man, okay, so uh, this week I have a dear old friend of mine, a former roommate who is still uh speaking to me on some level <laughs> we took a break we took a we, break we had a breather we had a little breather but i have my sweet babu daniel johnston on the show how the hell are you my guy i'm great pal how are you doing <sighs> it's been a it's been a weird decade since the last time we saw each other <laughs> i thought you were gonna just like tell me about your day like it's been a weird day no just straight to decade, decade. buddy yeah. there's no small talk on friendless here we just we you know also because most of the most of my guests i haven't seen in at least five years so i just thought we were doing like a theater school check-in like how are you right what? now so. <laughs> let's be what? honest where are you holding tension where are yeah. you, <laughs> where, yeah. where are you? let's <laughs> Should we just vocalize to get it out? Oh. 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 My God, we could do, a, right, little, do a little tap out here, huh. right? I could use a fucking tap out. And then out. you realize that, like, you're like, I'm so sore. You're like, oh, I am holding tension like they told me I was. <laughs> but then you don't do anything about no. it. You're like, well, no, like, well, that's, what are you oh, do? my God. I have one of those awful meditation apps that's like, it'll send me periodic reminders that'll be like, release your jaw and i'll do it i'll be like oh fuck when did i <laughs> i make me feel bad about myself so i'm just like turn off notifications <laughs> like you've been sitting for a long time i'm like i'm at work <laughs> how dare you leave me alone <laughs> i want to hear about where you're at these days because last time we spoke to any kind of extended period of time you were talking about working do you run your own restaurant now or you, you're like a co-owner founder or something like that? Or am I totally off base? Uh, I, I am the general manager of a craft brewery in New Westminster called Steel and Oak Brewing. Steel and Oak. That's amazing. And so how did you how did you get hooked up with that? I did the restaurant thing for like two decades, yeah. like almost. Um which is a grind and um I found myself wanting a, a different lifestyle and more consistent hours. And, you know, you uh, find a partner and you're trying to get your lives sorted out together. So um, when Jessica and I started uh, dating and getting serious, it was like we were on opposite schedules and it was right. difficult. And uh, a couple of gentlemen that I went to high school with uh, started this brewery. And so... I had always been friends with them and we were chatting and they needed someone to uh, take over their tasting room. They'd only been open for like six months. Mm. They were doing it themselves. So I started doing that. Uh, now we've been here for, oh man, I don't know, almost six years. Wow. That's... So I just kind of, yeah, worked my way through. Well, and it's, and you know, of all the people who, you know, of all the people who had the sort of like that path of going through being a server and all those things, it it does feel like it makes the most sense that you ended up where you ended up. Like in sort of retrospect, when I see your, your path, it's like, Oh yeah, of course you need to be running a restaurant. You know? 
I really liked that industry. Yeah. I still like it. It's just really difficult, yeah. especially a traditional sort of um, restaurant job. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, I had to make a decision at one point. Is like, I got a job at a really good restaurant in Vancouver. I was Shambar. You know, yes, I, restaurant. I, I literally, yeah. I have memories of of you on shift being like, yeah, you should pop in for a drink. I, and I'd always... Yeah. I'd always go in for like a cocktail and then I'd be so intimidated by the whole atmosphere, right? <laughs> that I'd be like, it, I need was, to finish this was, and get out. It's fine, fine dining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's a difference between like working in a restaurant and like picking up shifts and whatever, yeah. but like, oh, I got a show. So I need all these days off and whatever. And then at a certain point, it's like any, if you take it seriously and it's a career, it's like, well, if you want to work here, here's the expectations. Yeah. You can't just fuck off and do this. And I was like, okay, well. But I want I got to. that job, and then like, well, I was at that like transition point in acting too. I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm sick of not knowing if I was getting a paycheck. Yeah. And, and so I got that job, and of course, like a month later, I got cast in a show in Shemanus, <laughs> which is their summer musical. Which is like, oh, you're gone for five months. Yeah, yeah. Especially- so that was my turning point where it was like, okay, I just got this job at this really good restaurant where. The opportunities are good. The money's good. Yeah. I could learn a lot. Or I'd go to Shemanis and keep trying to do that. And I decided to stay at the restaurant. And then yeah. I, I basically <laughs> stopped acting for all intents and purposes after that. Wow. I did a handful of shows here or there. But it just became restaurants after that. Yeah. And I started hopping around and moving up. And then I was a bar manager. And then I was a general manager. And Damn. learning from really good people. And I just got into that industry. So. Man, what an incredible journey! I, I like, I, 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 I it's just, it's you know, because I, you know, I when we were living together, this was now like close to a decade ago. Like, I was thinking about how you were doing that, that sort of balancing act, you know, and like what a nightmare that life is, you know. And I think that, I think that, not enough people outside of the sort of like theater bubble really truly understand that it's like, you know, you hear dumb things about like burning the candle at both ends or you hear these dumb you know like why don't you get a real job or whatever it is and it's like it's 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 physically impossible to balance the two elements of a lifestyle if you want to be dedicated to like an art life and then also be able to eat and 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 pay your rent every month it's really hard to be good at both yes like you can do both but you'll never i don't know that you'll ever really succeed in either the restaurant industry hospitality in general is really easy to dismiss right it's a stepping stone it's you know you pick it up to make some extra money and like you're relying on tips and you're doing whatever but like there's a a giant section of people that that's their chosen path in life and they're really really good at oh man you know you, you you know a born you know, like a restaurateur, you know, I hate using a word like I hate using a word. I, I feel like it's not the, the nice word to say, like a server or something like that. I feel like it's very demeaning, you know, but like those positions of like, right. <laughs> you know, restaurant professional. Right. What are you supposed to say? Yeah, but right. that's your, but let, literally, that's why people shit on it. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, you're a server. But like, think about what that actually means. Yeah. Like what you're giving someone as a choice, you're being compensated for it. Yeah. But also, people make that choice to just demean those people who are like, oh, you're just a server. Like, I just gave you a wonderful experience. Yeah. You had an amazing time you were here. Everything was great. Your water was always full. Yeah. I gave you a delicious wine recommendation. You had a fantastic night out. And then you're like, yeah, what are you going to do, though? Yeah. Like, what's your next step? Yeah. I'm like, I really like doing this for people, right? Like, and there's shitty parts of every job, mm-hmm. and there's shitty days at every job with shitty people who come in and treat you shitty yeah, yeah. and that's as many times as i can use the word shitty in one sentence <laughs> i think you could squeeze one more in there yeah but that shit can be rewarded <laughs> exactly you know that's right? something that i've been thinking about a lot recently about the idea of like you know because we call it unskilled work and it's fundamentally very skilled False. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right exactly and and then at the same time too it's like we have this weird um disconnect with the idea of what is career worthy and what is path worthy and 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 the things that are fundamental to our day-to-day lives are also aspects of work that we don't respect 
and I think it's because we come like we become blind to them, right? It's like you become like taste blind to it because it's like you know if you if you see, uh, you know you know McDonald's kids and you know you know uh, you know and you demean them and then you see servers and you demean them and yet every single day they are fundamental to maintaining your lifestyle. How can you possibly see them as, uh, you know, as irrelevant or useless? Yeah, right. And this pandemic is a great example mm-hmm. because what's still open when everything is shut down? The restaurants. Well, restaurants were open to go. Mm-hmm. Well, restaurants were open. Like, people don't want to fucking cook at home. Yeah. The majority of people, right? They're, they, just, they don't know how or they don't like it or whatever it may be. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> people view it as unskilled because it can be done by unskilled people. Right. And sometimes you get bad ones. Yep. But that's true of most jobs. Yeah. Literally, but anybody can do people, anything. <laughs> You, you know? can hire anybody yeah. who can bullshit their way through an interview and hire, but they don't know what they're doing yeah. or they're bad at it, right? Yep. It's just because they're out in the forefront or you've had one bad experience. Yeah, we or... call those people artistic directors in the theater world. <laughs> oh, God. Got him. <laughs> I'm going to tell Rachel and Caitlin you said that. Keep this in. Keep this in. Rachel and Caitlin, if you're listening, James thinks you're unskilled and you don't deserve your job. But I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I think you're wonderful. You know what? I'm uh, I'm gonna tentatively walk that statement back <laughs> with a uh, not all ads. All right. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so so let's double back a little bit. Um, because we, you know, you're you're one of those friends of mine that are from that like that soup of university you know of like yeah i could not if if you had a gun to my head i could not tell you how we met when we met where we met it was just one of those no idea right it was one of those uh one day i didn't know dan and and then the next day i did well it also must be said like i didn't even go to university yes exactly <laughs> right so tim is tim is my twin brother yeah tim is at uvic tim is li- living with like Brian, yeah, and Jamie and Marco, right? Jared, yeah. And so I was in between. I had a year off between uh, high school and no, what was it? I wasn't going to school at the time, right? So I was working, but then I was going every weekend to just party in Victoria, yeah, with you guys. So I met you somewhere. Yeah, I met you at karaoke or at the manor yeah. somewhere the house of sand and fog <laughs> i don't know i love how there Maybe was always, somewhere this is the best part is that uh I, i'm sure this is a I'm very lucky. ubiquitous university experience but like but for us we had these these series of houses that would be appropriated by a group of of young men and then ruined um and they would all <laughs> and they would all earn nicknames right there was the mayfair house um and uh, which had like a room of bottle trophies just lined and then there was the house of sand and fog because it was on kingsley kingsley right? it was on kingsley street <laughs> and ben kingsley sir ben kingsley, sir ben kingsley is yeah. in the movie the house of sand and fog yeah. and then i and and, I, and it's and its collection was horrifying dead spiders in the windowsills <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and they just the the sketchiest landlord who didn't care. The worst landlord, and I. It's yeah. funny because I ended up, uh, uh, like I knew people who lived in other properties that he owned, and it was it, oh, really? it never got better. <laughs> no, he's just he was just a college slumlord. He owned yeah. these houses and yeah. just rented them out to college students yeah. who went to Uvic, and just nothing. Everything was broken. Didn't didn't give matter. a shit. Yeah. but but everybody split the rent, so he just charged high money, yeah. high rent, and. Money. Yeah, right, exactly. And now I remember so I I don't I don't remember when we met, but I do remember for me at least when I felt like we bonded. And it was a night, you may remember this, I don't know. It was uh closing night of the very first run of Ride the Cyclone. And okay. Tim had been in it and you know, yep. he had his part. And you and I were just at the party. It was in Brit Small's like loft, you know, her big open loft. Oh, in uh Chinatown. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. above the teeth, yeah, the teeth, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everyone kept on coming up to you and congratulating you on your part. And you were, well, we both were getting progressively drunker as the night went on, and you were getting progressively angrier with it. <laughs> and I was having a ball with it. <laughs> well, I also think what happened was that at some point Tim left, <laughs> yes. and so it was just. I was hanging out with you, and like we had just met, we hadn't really no. 
or we, we knew each other, but we hadn't really hung out like yeah. that. I think Jay, Jay was probably, probably there. yeah, he's probably around. The hitman hit was there, yeah. you know. <laughs> and the thing is, it depends how many drinks I've had. Yeah. But most of the time, either you have to immediately correct someone yeah. when they come up to you and think you're your twin, <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know." Or if you know it's going to be a short interaction, you just pretend. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, great to see you. Fantastic. And then you tell your twin brother later, you're like, I saw Steve drinking his dad <laughs> He said he worked with you at Hell's Kitchen. I don't He was cross-eyed he... at the time, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. No idea. But then once you start drinking and then over the course of an evening when it keeps happening, yeah. then you just start to feel hard done by oh, it. Yeah. As you do when you're just younger and you try to find identity. You're like. I'm not him. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm at an after party of a show he was in that is all people who had been at the show. And he's not even there. So, of course, people think I'm him. But I Why remember, am I mad? Yeah, I, I just remember you. I just remember watching because every time it would happen, I would immediately like and I'd like kind of look at you. I sort of snapped you and just watching you like push it down every time. Just push it down. <laughs> for no reason no. just for no reason ah. but it started with like oh thank you so much yeah. yeah like it was fun and then eventually i was like just tired yeah. <laughs> so we and then i was like how the hell do i get back to the house of sandman's box everybody else laughed i don't know where <laughs> right, exactly it was just i don't even know the address oh my god i gotta pull up my clamshell phone and try and find a way taxi out. please take me to the house of sand and fog <laughs> It's near that Thai place on the corner on Kingsley Street. That's all I know. Get out of my car. Uh, <laughs> but so, so years, years progress, and um, and you end up at. I, I'd like to hear how you ended up at the Bayswater House, um, because that was yet another like fresh out of university. It got sort of swarmed by a couple of uh, uh, fresh graduate men and then stayed in the sort of Phoenix ecosystem for the better part of a decade. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, how did Bayswater you end up there? The house was, was it James and Mac and Chris? I think so. I think I those were the say. originals. Those sound, those sound and right. And then uh, I believe James was leaving mm. and I was going to move there. And then I had moved, just moved home from Toronto. And I was living in like East Van. And Brian Knockling needed a place to live. So I gave up that place because Brian really needed somewhere to live. So he took James's spot. And then a couple months later, Mac was leaving. Right. And so they called me first and I took Mac's spot. And so it was me and Brian and Chris for a while. And then when Chris left, enter James Everman. That's when I swoop in. And, That's right. Yeah, and I was having, I was in the, I was in the midst of one of the, one of, if not the most unhealthy year of my life. <laughs> I was in. You the, don't say. The, I never would have guessed. <laughs> I was in the throes of the deepest depression I ever had, <laughs> and. Uh, you and, seemed so just together and pleasant most of the time. <laughs> was I that bad? No, not at all. I'm just giving you a hard time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. I mean, we were all in similar places. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody was having a great time that year. No, I, I was probably the most reasonable, but that's just because I was working nights, so I couldn't go out with you guys. Yeah, because <laughs> so you I had to be. I would work nights and come home and then just drink with you when I got home. Yeah. Most of the time, I didn't get home till like, 1, and you guys were just hanging out. We so were like, all right, just getting started. Play, uh, Tiger Woods or <laughs> Blue Luke? You know, Blue Luke? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, that's how we ended up there together. Yeah, yeah. And so and so, do you want to tell the story of how that house fell? Is that a story we can tell? <laughs> is, that a house, is that a story we can tell on the podcast? I mean, the crazy thing about that house. Okay, so it's it's this uh, nice older home in it's Bayswater and McDonald, basically. Yeah. So Kitsilano. Um, but it's the top floor of this house and on the main floor lived this uh oh god what was her name marjorie marjorie it just left me i was yeah. like is it marge marjorie found, right yeah she was a scottish lady and she was gone half the year so she just rented out upstairs and the basement though i never saw anyone who ever lived in the basement no. i lived there for like two and a half years yeah there was but, always the rumor that like they always they always she always said there was somebody there yeah but uh I never saw them. no no and then 
she was fairly patient. She was a nice lady. Yeah. You know, it was fine. And then one day she just, she got upset that we were too loud yeah. and that we couldn't live there anymore. Yeah. Well, and the thing was too, was that what had happened, well, I, you know, without, without going into details about that, but, uh, but, <laughs> but you had moved into the, the main level uh, right. room so there's two and i was at the up- upper yeah. floor but because i was the new one she came up and and funny enough she ended up ripping brian a new one because of as as quote that james fella <laughs> she barely knew who you were no. she didn't even know you lived there she, was like, <laughs> she said so that's the thing about that house is like she thought she probably thought you were james Cox. yeah she had no idea exactly. we just rotated people through and she had no idea as long as the money showed yeah exactly we just didn't miss rent and so that everything was fine right but uh well we occasionally miss rent but we always got there <laughs> and uh and so then when uh when that house dissolves where where do you end up going this is where we sort of like this is where we sort of broke off and i so that house dissolves we have to leave we uh, are running out of time we have to be out by the end of september yeah uh you are gone yeah uh we- didn't help us clean or pack. No. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> give a fuck about that house. Yeah, I was like, y'all man. got me kicked out of that fucking house? You can eat shit. <laughs> yeah, you were upset. So you took off. Yeah. Uh, you left me a bunch of gra- graphic novels, so yeah. I will call it even. It's yeah, fine. yeah. And then uh, Brian and I were trying to find somewhere to live. And Brian and I found an apartment September 26th. And we had to be out by September 30th. And that's when we ended up moving to Camby, mm. which is where I still currently live with my wife and two children. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, like, a co- colleague of his at the Vancouver Hospital, their friend was leaving this apartment. And so we ended up, and it was, it's a great, like, 1950s. 900 square feet it's great oh my god i fucking love that that's amazing i am village baby um and and so and so yeah and so last last section you now are father daniel <laughs> that sounds like i went to the seminary well i i know you are i i don't know if i want to say lapsed but uh, but <laughs> I have questions. I mean, I have questions, but yes, I did grow up very Catholic. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, because of that, if you call me Father Daniel, it's kind of strange. Right, right, right. It's a little triggering for you. It kind of gets you back yeah. up a little bit. <laughs> but, Imagine though, like my two and a half year old was just like Father. Maybe I'll get him to do that. Yeah. This would be adorable. Yeah, just start get him get him to call you Father Daniel. <laughs> Sometimes he just calls me Daniel because Jessica calls me Daniel. So we like, Daniel, t- come here. <laughs> and then like Lawrence will just run over and be like, Daniel. I'm like, it's dad. You call me dad. You call me. He's like, Daniel. I'm like <laughs> What about Dad you? I wanna say you I wanna say you made the hitting sound, not me, okay? <laughs> just for the record. You know what? Uh, I'm dad, uh, I'm gonna Daniel I'm gonna, is pretty good. Daniel? Yeah. Uh, I'll try that out. Yeah, yeah. Give it a shot. It's worth it's worth testing out. See if it works, right? You know, but but uh but you have this thriving family. Um and I know your second your 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 daughter was born during quarantine. And, oh yeah. And how yeah, yeah. like what was that like? Uh it was very strange. Yeah. Um could you be around or was Jessica just like alone in a room? Nope. Nope. I could be there. I had to have a mask on. Okay and whatnot but so josephine was born in end of july 2020 so lockdown started like mid-pregnancy and then we had a baby yeah but the hardest part the birth itself was okay because i got to be there and we got to deal with that but then most of the time you have a baby and then everyone needs the baby and you have and people come over and give you a hand or right. if you have another kid they can take care of that kid so you can take but like we weren't allowed to see anybody Nothing. we weren't allowed to do any of that right so that's the hardest part yeah. for sure and it's hard for other people too because they just people love babies yeah <laughs> grandmas and aunts and uncles yeah they just want i just want to hold the baby yeah you right? just want to you can't because you might have a, a virus yeah 
and even worse, the baby might have the virus and give it to 100%. you. Who knows? Imagine yeah. if you were killed by a baby. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Like a Maggie Simpson situation? Or... <laughs> that, it's a deep cut for you. You know, I, I'm sure listeners have gotten sick of this spiel, but, um, you know, I, I always like to sort of like just preamble slightly going into this episode or into this question, just because it's, you know, I feel like friendship is such a broad and undefinable thing. And I'm on this sort of endless, <laughs> I don't want to say quest. That sounds overly dramatic for what it is, but I like it. You know, I'd also like to point out that you think people are sick of the explanation of the podcast that they listen to time and again. You never know, right? You know, you know, I, I mean, I know, I know, you know, see this, look, I'm working on it with my therapist. I have a lot of, I have a lot of like self-loathing and, sh- and shame ingrained and a lot of insecurities oh, about met. that. So, you know, we've met, right? I know. <laughs> Hi, my name's James and I hate myself. So <laughs> um, you're loved by others. So, you know, there's a balance. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, I can sometimes feel that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know so thanks jenica shout out right. All right. so you know i'm very much on a on a sort of on a on a mission to figure out what the fuck it even means to be a friend and what it means to be a good friend and most rooted with like have i been a good friend because you know i know i've been i know i've been shitty and i know i've fucked up in the past and i guess i'm wondering like does it balance out you know and 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 so I think to start with that, I think the very first thing I, I want to ask is for you personally, like, how do you define friendship? I think to touch on what you just said before I get into that, like, of course, you know, when you've been a shitty friend, mm-hmm. like, because those are the moments that come back to bite you or that, you know, become issues. Yeah. But you never think about all the times you're a good friend or even an okay friend, yeah. right? Like. That's the majority of the time. Yeah. Otherwise, no one would be fucking friends with you. <laughs> right? So, yeah, we've all been shitty friends at some point. But, like, most of the time, you're probably a pretty decent friend. Yeah. Right? It's just in our so ingrained in our psyche to only remember those shitty Man. things. Right? And that's the thing, too. I'm and sure that's... your therapist said the same thing. Yeah. Well, and that's, too. I mean, you're, you're spot on. And it's something that's so hard and you have to be so mindful of. And you have to be so, like, and the problem is that it's, like, for me personally, it, you know, it comes easy to remember the shit. Right. It comes easy to remember every time I've been a dick, but it's so fucking hard to remember when I've been nice, you know, and, and I, it's that I, thing when somebody's, when somebody reminds you of when you did something good for them, yeah. you're like, do you remember that time? And you really helped me through that. And you're like, nope, <laughs> no, I have no recollection of doing that for you yeah. because that's not the intention when you do it. Yeah. Doing it for any sort. So, okay. So get back to your question. Yeah. Right. Obviously, you send us this question ahead of time. I've listened to your show, and I, I like that you explain this every time because it makes you think every time. Mm. So I think the best way I could say it is like friendship is the understanding between two people that they find worth and value in each other. <sighs> right? So oh, Daniel. <laughs> it's finding like-minded, empathetic, thoughtful people that you want to share your life with and if you're yeah. a tip a type of person you're going to be drawn to people who are the same right yeah. and like the people you choose as friends especially like really close friends or people you spend a lot of time with they're a reflection of who you are in your own choice yeah that's why people are like i'm like oh, these guys are your friends you're like i'm gonna call us friends <laughs> yeah. We're work, we're work friends yeah we're acquaintances yeah, yeah. we hang out once in a while i don't know if we're friends because we kind of elevated friends to this thing where like it's a part of you to be a friend because you recognize yourself somewhere in there right yeah so like you and i are friends because we have things in common Mm. and we both are empathetic people and we both struggle with like self-worth or depression and these are things we've talked about right but yeah because you can find that in somebody else you start to share that aspect of yourself and it might not cross all spectrums or all streams but to share some Thing like that with somebody that's below a surface level yeah right that's what it means to start being friends with somebody. and it could be varying levels of friendship sure but sharing that sense of worth and value in another human being that's i think what it means have a friend man dan i'm not gonna lie that like 
just listening to tell that like made me feel like a little emotional like just like thinking about that and it's like it's just a really nice it's a nice reminder that it doesn't have to be the big thing every time right that you can and you can go you know days weeks months years and remain loved and not and and remain appreciated right you know and and well we're always taught and then we keep getting reminded that the first person you need to take care of is yourself mm. right take care of yourself because if you can't take care of yourself you don't find value in yourself how can you share that with other people you do yeah. that right so if that's what we're taught but then people give you a hard time because you're not a good enough friend or you're not available enough but what you're doing is self-preservation or what you're doing is trying to make sure that you're okay yeah really good friends understand that yeah right, right? And you can just pick up where you left off. And if you need anything, I'm fucking right here. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. You know, I got to say, I got to say, it's something that I've been really appreciative of of you over the last couple of years, especially as we've sort of reconnected. And it's funny that like we've reconnected only digitally because we haven't really seen each other. Like since Jenica and I moved away from Vancouver in Oh, fuck was that yeah. 2014 you know and so like, was it that long ago yeah man man we've Jesus. been in saskatoon almost four years let alone gone you know what i mean so it's like gross yeah fucked up right <laughs> you know and but like something i've just been like just constantly grateful for is is your like yeah your availability and like not in like a to use you way but just in like a when we when we do check in we'll have this chat that'll go on for like a day and then yeah it'll peter out and that's what happens but it's like it's this like fabulous just reminder that there is somebody out there who i love and who loves me you know and and it doesn't have to be this like deep you know digging thing it's just like it's sometimes it's okay to just be nice right or be kind and to tell someone you're thinking about them or yeah. like but like I was very lucky and I grew up in a very loving household and right. that word is li- liberal for us. We use the word love all the time. Yeah. But it's so strong and to just remind somebody and you're just like, hey, love you. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Yeah. Right? And it, it just hits different, right? Big just time. Just to let, because even if you're having a chat and you can assume that someone loves you or they appreciate you, like yeah. I actively try and tell people either I love them or I appreciate you yeah. or like, because I appreciate that myself. And so I'm trying to share that aspect, right? As a reflection yeah. of things. But like, why wouldn't you tell somebody that? You know, I think right? about that. I, I mean, there's lots that. of reasons we don't have to get it. Totally. Uh, well, obviously, I get it, but. I think about that constantly. And especially because like, you know, I grew up thinking I came from a loving family and this is not by any means to like get into like you know uh, uh you know reparenting james 101 week? right you know you but you want to marry Marin this right right exactly well you know uh, really i i well uh you know you, but you you didn't get the love you didn't growing up you didn't get the love for... you know you know, well, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I got the love I actually needed. Right. You know what I mean? And and I'm only really now realizing that as I as I work on, you know, reparenting and sort of re re, you know, reloving myself, essentially. Right. And so um, I for years thought I was a very outgoingly loving person. And I'm realizing now that, like, I was outgoing and I was empathetic, but I don't know if I was always as loving as I want to be or feel to be right and that's a big part of this show is making sure i communicate that and also encouraging others to communicate it because i think it's one thing to be loving and that's really important and that's like that's probably more important all things considered just to like to be kind i think i think actions are far more important than words you know but words are still important and how you communicate is still just as important and so it's one thing to be really nice it's a whole other thing to be nice and say i love you and make sure you reach out and say hi and all those things right so the importance of words are based on how genuine they are yeah yeah so I could say it whatever I wanted, but if it didn't mean anything, yeah. then they're just words. But you can feel the difference when someone yeah. says it to you, and they mean it. Yeah. Right? Whew. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Conexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner 
and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Conexus Credit Union. I'm going to preface this by saying this is mostly uh, to get you on a tangent. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'm aware of what I'm doing by asking this question. Okay. Is there any value to theater school beyond the people you meet? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Especially, especially in the modern culture. Um, um, I'm, this is not me trying to be like a, a, a old man, get off my yard. But I don't believe that... Uh, young people today are taught to be curious and I don't think it's valuable to go to somewhere like university without genuine curiosity because it's too much of a time commitment and it's way too much of a money commitment to go already thinking you have the answers you have to go such an open blank slate and and then and then conversely on the other side I don't think that the university system is built anymore for curiosity either i think it's a it's a conveyor belt for workers you know and uh, like uh, it's it's a conveyor belt to ensure that you can no longer ever have a hope of breaking out of your cast because you come out with so much debt and so much insecurity and especially somewhere like you know like theater school theater school is one of the most traumatic segments of my life when i think about the emotional toll that it did to me you know and and the the indoctrination, the brainwashing that comes out of we're all family. Don't you love each other? We're all family. No, the fuck we're not. Give me a job. That, Help me pay rent. You know, hundred percent. The issue I have with theater school is yeah. that last section you have there of the emotional trauma and indoctrination. Yeah. Because yeah, listen, the school system is broken across mm-hmm. all segments. Right. It's not yep. just theater school, but it's only in theater school where you pay them to break you down in an unhealthy, unsafe way by people who are not qualified to do that. And then create unrealistic expectations of what the world is outside of this that you don't have experience with yet. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you can't do anything else while you're here. Yeah. While you're here, six days a week, this is the only world you know. You can't get a job. You can't. And if you do need to get a job you're punished you pay for going here yeah you can't be in a show or you yeah. can't be part of what we're building here and it's like <laughs> and the expectation of like oh it, this is what the real world's like if you're in yeah. a show that's it i'm like yeah but that's if you get cast in a professional theater show you're being paid you're being paid <laughs> and it's and it's two months yeah it's a month in the rehearsal hall at a, at a regular schedule where you're working like nine to six every day. Yeah. And then you do shows. It's not four years of never having a life and having to give everything up for whatever you might give me. Like that's the part that hits yeah. me too hard. It's like, yeah. let's do some solo moments. You're like, fuck you <laughs> all the way that? off, all the way off, you know, but yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I didn't really, I didn't really buy it. I didn't really buy that oh you were listening God. to your son being tortured on tape there. I'm like, what are you teaching me? What, this is I don't the thing. understand. In, in retrospect, it's just like, what are you even driving at here? Like, what even is this? You know? And it really becomes about like, because, you know, there's this thought about like when someone creates a style, right? So, you know, we're all, we're all taught some variation of the, is it's the Stanislavski method, right? The, the method, right? But the thing is that like the method is just what worked for whatever the fuck his name, Constance, Constantine Stanislavski, right? You know, it just worked for him. It was his process. And then he taught people how he acted. And what happens is the further removed you get from a method that works for a personal actor's style, the more like dogmatic it becomes. And, and because of that, it becomes less useful to more people. But so it's this inverse effect of more people learn it, but less people are helped by it. And when your entire education infrastructure is built off of a single style, you, you aren't making artists. You're, you're making like debt machines, you know? Um, well, art is subjective. So how yeah. can you make an artist? Well, that's, that's exactly it. 
only create them in one. And also like the demands of the acting world are many and varied. Yeah. But that's why there's many and very different types of actors. Exactly. They don't all have to get there the same way. So if you want to teach emotional vulnerability or how to convey that, like there have to be healthier, more reasonable ways to do it. Big or time. you don't have to be an actor who can fucking do it all. Exactly. Just stay in your lane. And if you want to branch out, you might not get work, but you find passion in it. Mm -hmm. You can do that. And I think but the I th there's more value in that than doing it in a healthy way and making oh my people God. broken and poor. Yep. And I think I think the uh, for me the alternative option, and I actually wish this bled more even into not only just the education but into the actual programming and and the 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 way that the the, the community actually worked. I think like mentorships, apprenticeships. I think we should treat it like a like a like a uh, like a craft, right? Or like a um, what do they call it? like a you know like a like a plumber? You know, you're a apprentice plumber, right? You know. Uh, well, that's part of why I said beyond who you meet. Like, yes. Yes, your friends while you're there. Yeah, but of also course. Also, the connections you make. Yeah. Those are the people who hire you anyway. Exactly. Half the jobs I got were people I met while at theater school yeah. who were like, "I remember that kid. He was good. We should yeah, put him put in the show." Exactly. Like, that's it. It's yep. the same in every fucking walk of life. Trade. That's what I was trying to say. I think we should treat it like a trade. It's like learning a trade. Yeah, and I think it's because culturally we don't respect artists, and we we likely never will. And so, you know, when when you establish a culture that devalues it's like it's like being a server right it's like if you establish a culture that devalues someone's like intrinsic identity um but also demand their time anytime they want i mean think about you know i mean i know it's a bit of a cliche argument but it's like so what did you do in the do during the pandemic did you read a book did you watch a movie did you listen to music huh but you still think artists are lazy, useless, non-needed elements of society? Huh. You know? Did you find value in anything beyond your day-to-day -day life that exactly. had to do with you? Exactly. Somebody had to do that. You know, so... And also theater school. There's no theater work in Canada. So why are we fucking going to theater <sighs> school? Everyone can go no. to film school and then you can translate your film to theater. Exactly. Go get paid. Yeah. And I, that's the thing. I think, I think it, it should be... Bananas. I think it should be trades. I think it should be... Um, I think it should be rep theater. Like, I think there it should be like, uh, there shouldn't be these like we do one play for two weeks and we never do that play again. It should be like, oh, this works cool. It's going to be in rotation for a while. You know, that gets that gets longer. Though, What's that? You have to you have to set a culture and you need yeah, patrons. For exactly, that, and it doesn't exist here. Well, that's just it, right? So that's the right? thing is that it's like it's a model that I envy out of like Europe, but it doesn't feel possible right now in Canada, and that sucks. You know. And even in the States, but, right? All those kids who go to theater school go to summer stock and it yeah. happens, but it doesn't there's like three of those companies in Canada. Yeah, exactly. And then they're yeah. fucked. And then and then you know, and then and then yeah, inevitably there's about six to ten actors in all of Canada who are making some form of living wage. That's about it, you know. As actors, or they have to pivot and start to do something else. Which they might not be good at, but they're getting paid because yep. they made a name acting, but they not not be good directors. They might and not be likely, good and I hate to be a dick too, but it's like they also likely come from money. I it's it's it, they all they likely already have a net, you know. So. It, it very well could be like it's tough right. to speculate, but like it's tough to stay that devoted to it if you don't have somewhere to fall. Exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. that's it right there. You're gonna have to get a job and grind. Exactly. So yeah, I, I would say knew, just learn. When I made yeah. that. When I made that decision where I was like, am I going to take the Shumanis job? Am I going to work in a restaurant? Yeah. Part of me was like, I really like acting, but I don't like it as much as some people I know. Yes. Who? So, A, I'm never going to grind as hard as they are. No. I know if a large part of this business is how hard will you grind and how much will you give up. Yep. And B, I'm kind of rooting for them over me. Yeah, exactly. Right. They deserve I it. I can hope you get it. They deserve Go it way more it, than me. Yep. I will never do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's just it. And and so I think if, you know, I, I, my, my advice would be find a, find a mentor and get practical, practical experience because you, you're never going to get practical experience in school and you're, you're never going to get better without practical experience. And that's why so many artists stagnate the way they do because they're never challenged by genuinely doing it. Whereas they're only taught theory and how fucking like, like theory is important to a degree to open your mind, to think about things, but it's not, not the, the root, you know, and it's not yeah. the, it's not the, the, the baseline of, of it. It's yeah, you're right. It's a tool of it. It's, it's, it's not, it's not the end game. Right. But... I just like, love hearing you talk about it. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck theater <laughs> school. Um, and, uh... and fuck theater makers and fuck theater.
and fuck artists. Well, let's not go. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> but so, like, I I would I I genuinely value all the people I met there and like oh, of all course. of those relationships and stuff. But like, goddamn. Yeah, big time. So this is always my favorite question of the show, um, and it and it and it always inevitably will. Uh, you know, I always like to say it. It'll inevitably remind me of something I've forgotten, or it'll like paint a new color to something I I cherish. You know, it's it's, and so I'm really curious what your most vivid memory of our friendship is. My grandfather gave me a sack of clothes. A sack of clothes. <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, I thought about that, and I was like, what a night. What and a that, night. We used to have uh, sing songs in Brian Nothing's room. Yeah. He was a delightful piano player. And uh, we at night, we had a couple beverages. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were having a sing-along, and then we just started freestyle improving over top of it. And you had just returned from your grandfather's with literally a garbage bag full of old man clothes. Yep. And so we were taking turns going through it and putting on items yeah. while we sang this loop over top <laughs> and described the items of clothes. And you had to be there. I totally understand. But yeah. literally, it was just, my grandfather gave me some purple pants. <laughs> Some purple pants as we pulled stuff out of this bag. And we were just the right amount of drunk, but yep. we were just having so much fun. Yep. And we laughed. Oh, my God. And then you slapped my now wife in the face because you were so excited. <laughs> I did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She told me to mention that specifically. <laughs> I so, have no memory of that. I bet you don't. And now that I have a toddler, I understand. You were just excited because he hits me when he gets fired up, you know? <laughs> Look, I was recently diagnosed with ADD, so you know ADHD. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's not my fault. It's just the shape of my brain. I think this is the part where you just say, "I'm so sorry, Jessica." Jessica, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now we can move on. It's gone. She's been holding on to it since then. Wow, that's my bad entirely. Um... <laughs> but yes, that we said we. We had some down times there. Everybody's going through some rough times, but we lifted each other up, and yeah. we really had some really, really good times as well. And yeah. that one always sticks with me, man. Man, that whole year was real. Like, you know, it sucked, and it was like I was going through some fucking dark shit. And at the same time, too, uh, it's not that I wouldn't change anything, but like I am probably alive because of you know, like because of where I was living and what was going on, and and how I was being sort of like. <laughs> protected you know um so yeah it's yeah yeah it's funny I, I i don't know if i have any singular moment god that fucking song oh my god <laughs> but uh i also remember you know what i you know the other one i remember is is the day we decided to go play basketball and we all put on your jerseys <laughs> everyone put on a different jersey <laughs> yeah i have a collection of jerseys mostly basketball so we yeah. all jerseyed up and yeah. i there's a couple of great photos from that there was a basketball court like at the elementary school down just, the street just across the yeah, street from fun. us yeah like that beautiful summer day like yeah. just what you dream about we yeah. had some drinks with us we were just like carefree that yeah. day it was nice yeah and i remember nice. i remember my first and only slam dunk was that day and i was smoking <laughs> a cigarette i had a cigarette in my head in my mouth and i went up and i and i didn't you know I, there's a technique to slam slam dunking and i don't have that technique and so when i did it i slammed it in and the ball came straight down on my face and, I'd also like to preface that this was an eight foot hoop, not a ten foot. Hoop. Oh yeah, we no, it was a slam small... dunk and like. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I kind of just had to reach up and do it, you know. But, you just uh... made it sound like you're just like my only slam dunk. I just, I was feeling it. I was feeling limber. <laughs> no, this was a hoop. this was a playground <laughs> hoop. This was not like elementary a... school. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> but uh, but yeah, it just came right down to my face, smashed the cigarette into my face. And, uh, and I was like, I'm done playing basketball for the day. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the side no, and I'm just good. watch you guys play. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm going to have another smoke. <laughs> but... Fresh start. Fuck. Crack this Pacific Pilsner. <laughs> Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.
Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Direct West has a local expert team right here in Saskatchewan that will work with you to build your website exactly how you imagine it. Let them help you improve your online presence. Head to directwest.com to learn more. If you could uh, only drink one thing for the rest of your life, what are you choosing? Jesus Christ. That's a really hard question, man. Um, I mean, I, I feel like... I feel Practicalities like... aside, okay? Oh, okay. We're not... Let's, let's eliminate... Oh, it's obviously water. Yeah, it's okay. obviously water. We can get it. Okay. okay. Practicalities aside, if wow. you only choose one thing. I feel so called out because I was literally about to start the sentence. That was like I saw your face and I was like, <laughs> You son of a bitch. Have fun with it. Loser. Um well look, if I if I could practicalities aside, if I was gonna survive, uh can it be a mixed drink? Like can I always yeah, can, can I just always be drinking old fashions? Absolutely. Oh my god, can you imagine? Can you imagine the... Is that your that's your mixed drink of choice? That's my mixed drink of choice. Oh, I love a good old fashioned. Holy fuck, I love an old fashioned. You, you would. Well, <laughs> you know that, that was my old my old bar manager, bartender guy just judging you. Like, you would. Yeah, this old fashioned. What's you know, wrong with an like old fashioned? Eight, takes like eight minutes to make properly. <laughs> Well, okay, that's true. <laughs> but it's a process, it's and it's such an adventure. It's such an adventure to watch yeah, someone, absolutely. especially somebody who's doing it well. It's like, wow, it, that's an adventure, you know? But uh, Oh, a well-made old-fashioned is a delight. Um, and I also, I, I like to imagine how, like, how rambunctious I'd be uh, if I was like, if it was like mid afternoon and I, and I went all I drank all day. If I drink the amount of water that I drink in a day of old fashioned and just imagining me at 2 PM. Oh man. Look at you. Just humble brag. How much water you drink. I'm very hydrated. I'm, look, I'm medicated. <laughs> I'm on stimulants. I get dehydrated. Okay. I have to, otherwise I get brutal dry mouth reasonable right you know what about you what would you choose uh water (laughs) (laughs) motherfucker no i'd probably choose like uh i haven't had a wine Mm. just so versatile there's so many styles so many types good choice that's a way better choice i want to change mine i choose wine too get on the wine train baby let's go now would you do white or red though i just said wine it could be any any i didn't say it have to specific type of wine oh man that's even better you get white you get rosé you get natural wine you get sparkling wine you technically get champagne yeah i said sparkling wine oh (laughs) fucking hell i'm sorry look look you get fortified wine Mm. you can have sherry you can have port that dessert wine that like that like ice wine get it all (laughs) i like it so enjoy your old fashions bro (laughs) I fucked up. I fucked up that question. No, I, you, you know, you know, I, you asked it and I panicked. I, it was the first thing that came to mind. It was a trap. It was a trap. It, was, the it, it felt like it. Yeah. It felt. I felt. That's, like why I took, that's why I took water away. Here we go. Now he's gonna panic. <laughs> um, you know, uh, God, even just today we are starting the interview and you have to go room to room with masks on you can only have them off in certain places we're in a funny scenario um you know things seem to be shifting but it's still gonna be a while it's and 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 it's not going to be normal in fact part of me hopes it doesn't go back to normal in a lot of ways like i i hope we i hope we learned some things from this and we don't just like can't wait to get back to being dicks right Get to the new normal, man. Right. You know, like, I really hope people will cover their mouths when they cough. I hope they'll wash their hands when they poo in public. And, you know, certain behavioral shifts I hope we adopt. But that's all down the line. And we're in a situation where we don't know when that's coming. And so we have to hold on to our connections and our friendships any way we can. And I wonder what you uh, are going to try to do for yourself and also what you may sort of recommend others to try in order to remain a good connected friend in 2021 and then however long this shit continues to last this is a difficult question for me because 
objectively by classic friend standards. I'm not a good friend. <laughs> like, I, I don't check in. I rarely initiate plans. Like, I'm not that person, which goes back to my, like, talking about self-care and taking care of yourself. And, you know, the, you know, the spoon theory, mm-hmm. right? So I ascribe to that kind of in my dealing with my anxiety and depression. So if I only have X amount of spoons, friendship is one that I forego as the initiator. Mm. right but without hesitation for friends i'll give you the shirt off my back or my last dollar like i'm that type of person Mm -hmm. so i think it's just understanding your relationships with specific people and how your friendship works and not asking too much of them and just being okay with letting them be themselves and if you're the person who needs to be in touch with someone, be in touch with them. Yeah. Understanding that you're asking something of someone and if they respond, then that's great. And if they don't respond, you can't take it personally. Hmm. You can't take it as a personal slight. It's that person managing their own life. Right. Hmm. And if you really value that person and you see them yourself in that person, you'll understand that they also value you hmm. and they're sharing what they can. And they'll, give you whatever they have necessary. But if it's important or you really need something, like true friends won't hesitate and it'll be there and it's not a big deal. That's when issues should arise, right? If you're not sure about your friendship with someone because they don't respond to your text fast enough, like you were talking about with Jane, it's like, that's not, you don't really have that good of a friendship. Because you don't trust that person. That's something that I value to them, right? Yeah, that's something I think about a lot about the idea of sort of like you know, yeah, you nailed it. Where it's this idea of like, if you're unsure about those kinds of questions, then, and this is okay. Like these aren't unhealthy questions, but like, I think you're actually asking a deeper question about that connection than you may even realize. It's almost like you're kind of telling on yourself accidentally, right? Well, then be forthright, right? That's what exactly. friendship should be based in is honesty and, and truthfulness Yeah. with the people that you can be, right? Yes. And the other people who are surface level friends or you don't really need to worry about it anyway. Yeah. Because they don't really affect your bottom line because if they weren't in your life, you might be like, ah, I really miss that person. They were a cool person. But like, on a day-to-day level, it doesn't really matter, right? But the people that really care about you and that you really care about, it's going to be copacetic either way, right? Yeah. Because the things that are important and the things that you need from them and that they need from you, you have an understanding of and you'll share. Mm. And then you just build on that. But mostly it's just, you got to take care of yourself and whatever you're doing in your job and you I have a full-time job and I have a wife and I have two kids and I don't have a lot of time in my day to do other things. Yeah. And I would love to share what I have, but I only have so much, right? Yeah. Well, and that's just and it most too. Most of my really good friends understand that. Yes. Well, and that's just it too. And I think that like, yeah, I think allowing yourself to, uh, it's almost like allowing yourself to be used up, if you will. You know, like with this idea of like, yeah, you only have so much to give. And so if you're at that point where you have nothing else to give, because it starts with you cutting yourself off in a way, right? Like, like, you know, like you, and if you want to reach out to somebody, that's all fine and good, but you sort of have to be prepared for that because like you say, and I agree wholeheartedly, like you're now initiating something that you're giving and also in a way expecting something in in return and so you have to be ready for what you get back to not necessarily be what you expect but uh, and like i really appreciate when people reach out to me because mm-hmm. that's the type of people they are and i feel loved and i feel valued because people are like hey do you want to you want to go play golf this weekend or do you want to have an outside drink on friday or whatever right yeah. I, I feel really bad because a lot of the time i say no because either i don't <laughs> yeah. have time yeah or i don't have the energy but I still value that they reached out because that's the type of person they are, but we understand each other. I feel bad, but they don't feel bad. Mm. And I know I can be honest in that. Right. But also when you're dealing with this and you're dealing with those mental issues is you're like, is this a line where I don't actually have any energy to give? Yeah. Or am I just being lazy and I, it's easier not to. Right. So to be a good friend, you have to be able to walk that line. And push through that curtain sometimes where you're like, 
my first instinct is to say no because I don't feel like it. Yeah. But I know once I do it, I'm really going to enjoy myself and appreciate it. Man. And so you do that for your good friends where you're like, I didn't want to come hang out with you. And it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. But I'm really glad I'm here. Yeah. And you make sure that they know it. You make sure. 100%. When you show up, Absolutely. you say, I didn't want to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's after the first drink. Yeah, right. I got to be honest with you, Dan. I didn't want to do this, but uh, but here I am. And you know what? Turns out it's fine. You and I both know that guilt is a huge part of healthy friendship. <laughs> Man, speaking of guilt, uh, I do hate to do this, but we do need to wrap up the conversation and um, get on to the last little bit of the show. But, um, you know, before we do, I just, you know, Man, I really appreciate you, man, buddy. I really appreciate the dude you are, and I really appreciate your commitment to art and your writing ugh. and your relationship and sharing yourself out here like this, man. I see, I did there. I got ahead of you. You did, and you're making That's me feel, true. you know, like I just like I, I, I love you, Dan. I really do, and I, I miss the fuck out of you, you know, and like. I just like I feel so lucky, not only to have had the friendship that we have had to have the friendship that we do have um i'm so grateful to your why your wife's like active instagram posting <laughs> i'm so grateful for it to get to like watch your family grow and grow up and and like it's so fucking magic um like your your whole family is just magic you know and um and i just I, I adore you and i'm just like yeah, you're one of those friends that I'm just like, when we do get to talk, it just like, it leaves me feeling like simultaneously so much better about the world and then also like, like tired, you know, like, but in like the best kind of like, it feels like after a therapy session tired where it's like, it just feels like it feels good and it feels like something's been sort of like worked out, you know? That That's like the nicest thing you could say to me. <laughs> Genuinely. Like, yeah. Ever since I was a teenager, like I've taken it upon myself to like share other people's stuff, and I do it because I like doing it. Yeah, I, I feel like that's how I can contribute to Man. friendships and relationships <sighs> and stuff. And like, I I want you to feel that way, and yeah. I feel the same way about you. And that's why we're honest with each other and we share it, right? And that's that's really really nice, man. And to say that about my family is is, you know, having children. Yeah. And losing touch with people and reconnecting, it's funny because it's the kind of thing where you're like, I really want you to hang out with my kids. <laughs> I swear they're cool. So, what sounds so stupid without having kids. Yeah. And I don't mean to be that guy, but like, you won't get it till you have them. But yeah. like, the people that you value and you love and you, you want to share with, like, they're the biggest part of my life. My wife and my children are my, are my whole world, especially in a pandemic. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, when you have the kind of friends you want to share that with. Yeah. Right. And I, I put you in that category. It's like, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, Dan. God, I love you. Um, I'm just so grateful for <laughs> I love you. you I'm, too, buddy. I'm just so grateful. Too. Like, and just like your, your continued support of, you know, my writing and how you've always been such a champion for my poetry. And it's just like, it means the world to me, you know? And like, it well, really, it really, yeah. Uh, I, I'm just grateful every day. <laughs> Keep doing it, buddy. Yeah. But on that note, I have to pull up your Facebook. I'm really sorry about this. <laughs> so right before you do this, I reviewed our friendship to make sure we weren't going to miss anything. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's almost exclusively – it's one photo, which is a debts promo. It's almost exclusively happy birthdays. <laughs> There's one ticklish cage reference. Ticklish Cage. Oh, I'm Ticklish Cage. I'm trying to watch a snuff film. Oh. And, and then it's just a link to Key and Peele's East West College Bowl. That's our oh whole Facebook God. relationship. So, Most dot. AJRJXJ backslashing fourth to fifth says you can delete us, man. Oh, my God. Daniel Johnston. We no longer Facebook friends. It's about time. <laughs> Only because Facebook's like super evil and we shouldn't have it anyway. Right? Oh, it's awful. It's ex This is an exhausting show to have to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, 
And that's it. Thank you once more to Dan for coming on the show. I love you, and I can't wait for the day I can walk into your brewery and ask when you're going to make some real decisions with your life. (laughs) As always, if you liked the show, please let your friends know. Rate the episodes, share the links, tell everyone you know to subscribe to Friendless. I'm doing what I can on a very limited budget, but I need your help to spread the word on Friendless. It it does sometimes feel like if something isn't being made in Toronto, it holds no value in Canada. So I'd ask that you prove them wrong and say it loud and clear with me. Fuck Toronto. (laughs) I mean, a city that helps elect two forts and still considers itself the cultural epicenter of a country. (laughs) No, thank you. Fuck that noise. Okay, I'm sorry. Tangent. But... Be sure to follow Friendless on all the usual social media platforms. You can find me at FriendlessPod. You can sign up for the monthly newsletter through the link in this episode's show notes. It is a ton of fun. I love writing it, and I love all the really great responses that I've been getting from readers. You are all my favorite. But anyway, that's it for me. So I will sign off with a wish that you have a great week, or as great a week as possible. And I hope to see you back here next time. But we will leave that to then, because that is then, and this is now. So for now, I'll just say I love you, and I will catch you soon. Fun and safety, my sweeties.